Hi everyone, welcome back to a new Golbazan podcast. Uh, I'm Ariel Alaverdi. I'm joined by Sina Saimian. Uh, today, uh, we're also joined by Mina, who is also a Team LE supporter, and she's come on to share her opinions on the two matches. And uh, we're going to speak about in Iran, women in Iran being, being allowed to go to the match against Cambodia and Tehran. Uh, how are we doing, guys? Sina, how are, we, how are we getting on? Yeah, good are you. Good to speak to you, and of course, Mina as well. It's been a while since I've been on, so um, yeah, let's get going. Mina, how are you? Hello. Hello, everybody. This is my first time. I'm very happy to join the pod and give some opinions. Fantastic. Okay, uh, the squad The squad was announced um, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, and we, we, we were quite... We, a couple of surprises in the squad, particularly uh, with the exclusion of uh, Gallon Bash. Um, of course, somebody who's been in part of the squads for many, many years hasn't really ever been dropped, but Obviously, he hasn't been playing for Brighton. And the other player who's not really been involved in the last couple of squads is Atul Lahi, but hasn't also been playing much for his club in, in Belgium. So, um, uh, so, you know, what, 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 what do you think? Does that, is that a, a good message that he sent out to the players, that you know players need to be playing? Or is that maybe a wrong decision to make? No, I think it's... Um, I think he probably looked at the fixtures and he thought Bahrain, Cambodia probably guaranteed six points. Maybe a bit of complacency in, the, in there. And he obviously knows the situation with Jahan Baksh at Brighton. He's not been getting much game time, but of course he's been injured for a while as well. Again, same scenario with Ezzatullahi. So I think he probably had a conversation with both of them and gave them gave them the international break off in terms of they can go and train with the team to get that match fitness back up again and give give the coaching staff of their respective clubs a chance to kind of watch them closely in training and work with them, uh, especially with Jahomash. I think it, it's just a matter of him staying fit and training as hard as he can. He will get his chance in the Premier League. So I, I wasn't that disappointed with Jahomash not being involved. And of course, he gave the opportunity to Plays like Mohammad Mohebbi um, and uh, Mehtab Mohammadi as well, who came in and, and did particularly well. Uh, Mina, um, we saw a lot of Sepahan players be getting called up into this squad. Um, uh, so we've had Niazman, Mortez Mansuri, Mohammad um, Mohebbi, as Sina said. And, um, you know, I think we also had, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Nur Afghan as well. Nur Afghan as well. He came in later on in the squad. So, um, what do you think about that? Is that is that a, is that something that's you know because obviously Stepan are, are unbeaten in the league. They're number the first in the league joint with Tiraktor. Is that a, a good thing? Well, there was actually a lot of talk on the social media about this, and uh, a lot of people are speculation why there was so many Stepan players being called up. And uh, some people say it's because Galeno, you know, they call him the boss of mafia in Iran. And they said that he pushed for these many uh, players to be included in the squad so he could postpone the game that they had, I think, with Estaplog. Because uh, then they, if they had these many players on the squad, so then they could not play and they could postpone their game. So that's actually the opinion of a lot of people on social media that they think this is kind of like that uh, some people actually have this power in Iran to push players into the squad, and Mark Wilmots is kind of okay with it. Um, so I don't know, it's kind of a controversial... But are we, then, are we, but are we suggesting that um, 
players like Mohebi and Niazman shouldn't have been called up? No, no. I think Niazman for sure should be called up. Niazman and together with Mazari, I think those are the ones who have had like clean sheets for like the the most run of clean sheets in the league so far. And for sure, for sure, Niazman should be called up. Uh, Mohebi, different opinions for him on the game with Cambodia than on the game with Bahrain. Uh, so I can't really give, but I, I was very, very excited to see him play, especially since he was playing in League One uh, until a while ago. So he's a very kind of like a talent that we at least did not know about so much. Um, but someone like uh, Omid Nur Afghan, who is the captain of the Omid team, uh, but he was not really in a form, like his form wasn't consistently good enough. Uh, to be called up. Honestly, I would think that he's maybe, or like Mansuri, I'm not sure about him either. So definitely not these many players. Mansuri, I don't really understand. His, I mean, he's probably he's probably had a good. I mean, he's, he's made some assists. I think he got an assist in his last game for Sepon, and yeah, he's had a good season. But I don't think it's really time and place to call up a right back you know when he's 29 years old he just had a good season in, in the league of Iran I think when you've got a guy like uh, Sadr Muharami who's playing regular football now um, and he's injury free in Croatia um, I think that it's a bit strange that he wasn't called up but um, and, and honestly I wasn't really impressed with Ramin Rezaian in these last couple of games so uh, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Salem Harami come in in the next next squad. Um, okay, so the match against Cambodia uh, happened and we won the game 14-0, which is really, really cool. Um, but, you know, we had players like uh, Osmoon and Ansari Far scoring a hat-trick. We had um, Tari May scoring a brace. We also had Mohebi having a brace as well. So, uh, I mean, in terms of you know, for confidence, you could say it was good. But if you then if you look at the contrast of the of the level of performance against Bahrain, I don't think that the Cambodia game really gave the players any kind of confidence. Anyway, I don't I don't think they took it seriously because it was. I think they could have scored more goals. I think they could have scored twenty five goals if they wanted to. So for me, it wasn't as if they were taking it seriously. Uh, anyway, so that game for me is pretty redundant. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, when you do play against teams like Cambodia, I mean, I, I can't really, you can't really say he doesn't take it seriously because he started um, all the players that went on to start against Bahrain, which was a relatively. Not I'm, I'm saying I don't. I think I think the players themselves didn't take it that seriously. No, no, I, I I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, I think after the probably by the fifth and sixth goal, they would have thought actually let's just see how many goals we can score. Um, and the substitutions, even he, he made very early substitutions because he, he knew the game was done. Again, it was guaranteed three points. Um, it's good to see Ansari Fad getting so many goals, although he missed uh, a lot of chances all in the game. Um, obviously, always good to see Osman score and Mohabi as well to get his uh, debut goal. I mean, there's not really much to say. Um, these kind of games wouldn't really dictate whether or not... Um, we will end up qualifying for the World Cup in two years. Uh, and it wouldn't really tell Wilmot's much in terms of how good his team is or how good tactically the team have become, or even much about the players. You know, Even players like Mohebi, who, again, did really well. I mean, how much can you take away 
uh, from a performance against players who probably wouldn't even play semi-professional uh, in Iran. So um, it's difficult to judge, but again, you've got to beat what's in front of you and they did, did a good job with the 14 goals. And again, for the spectators who were at the stadium, uh, I'm sure they didn't complain about seeing so many goals. Mina, you know, have you got anything to add to that? Um, uh, I think I think you're right. Uh, for sure, Cambodia wasn't a game that we go in thinking about if we're going to lose or win. But I think the importance wasn't the game itself, but what was on the motivational level, because this was the first home game uh, in the campaign for uh, for qualifying for the World Cup and uh, and the women being there. So it was kind of nice to to score that many goals, uh, to start strong, to build some motivation. Um, I think on that level, it was kind of an important game. So, I mean, you just touched on that very quickly there. But obviously, uh, last podcast, we were discussing um, about, you know, the the issue that happened uh, with the Sahar Khodayari, who, who actually ended up... Um, you know, burning herself uh, as a result of going to an SLL game and getting a six-month um, prison sentence. Um, and then obviously the FIFA and, and the international um, governing body of obviously football and the governing body of Iran, they uh, reacted and, and, and they allowed women to go to the game against Cambodia. So, uh, Mina, I mean, obviously, you know, I think you said you knew some people who went to the game. Um, what kind of reaction have you have you heard from that? Well, uh, it was kind of an overwhelming day, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I'm an Iranian woman. I uh, was born and raised in Iran. Um, and this was not a new fight. We had this uh, going on for many, many years. Many politicians have spoken about it. Even Ahmadinejad started to try really do this as a as a campaign strategy. And each time it was stopped by mostly religious figures and um, some people in government being against it. But so many times it felt like it's going to happen. Even some some games, some people, like some selective individuals were letting to watch the games. Uh, and uh, so many times we thought that this is actually happening. But I think at some point when uh, there was already women attending a volleyball, any volleyball games, international volleyball games, and then they banned that. So they banned women from entering that. Then we kind of lost all hopes and, uh, and we thought this is never going to happen. So when they started again talking about uh, this, that this is going to happen, and FIFA started to give uh, ultimatums to Iranian authorities that women should be let in for World, uh, World Cup qualification games, we actually thought that this is probably not going to go anywhere either. But then this happened, this uh, very sad incident of Sarko Diary happened and it became kind of an emotional roar. And I think uh, there was then a lot of, it got a lot of media attention uh, all of a sudden together with uh, what the pressure that FIFA already had on the football federation. I think uh, it all summed up and it happened that they let women in uh, to the stadium. So, but when it actually happened, uh, even if it was in the making for so many years, still we couldn't believe it. It was like, uh, is this 
really happening, even, even the night before. A lot of people were writing that we don't know if this is actually going to happen. We have our tickets in our hand. But is this actually a ticket that can get us into Azadi Stadium? And uh, so on the day that it happened, everybody was treating it as something out of this world. And they're putting pictures and writing about their experiences. The, I actually get emotional even talking about it now because I'm a football fan. I'm a huge Team Melly fan. And uh, I have passed by that stadium so many times. And I never even thought of getting in. It was, it was a dream that far away. And then people were writing about the moment that they actually get inside and they see the green uh, of the pitch and they are sitting, they were showing so many of the of people who were there. And it was really, really overwhelmingly emotional for me because at the same time that I was very happy that this is finally happening, but I had such a grudge, such a sad feeling that I've, that I've missed all of these years. I mean, I'm old enough to see Ali Dai plays for Team Mali in Azadi, but I never did. And uh, I feel like that was robbed from me and uh, it's, it was kind of like bittersweet moments. Yeah, so, but it was very, very nice. I saw many pictures. I saw many young children being together with their mothers there, uh, getting dressed in Team Mali kits or with a, with a flag. But it was even more emotional, actually, to see older women, like maybe in their 50s or 60s, uh, with the flag waving. And then you would see them and you would think, oh, my God, they actually lost this whole 40 years to this stupid ban. And these women, they actually loved him really. And they never and for 40 years, they just looked at the TV and asked why. Um, so, yeah, very, very emotional. Wow, wow. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really, really good thing that's happened and hopefully it continues to happen. Hopefully it's something that it's not just this one time, it's something that's going to continue to happen. And, um, and hopefully over time, you know, we're not having women just sitting in one section. You know, it's, it's step by step. It's a good step. It's a step forward. But, you know, I think more steps have to be taken. I think more measures need to be taken. Hopefully one day can we get women to, to enter league matches? You know, not just national team matches, league matches or whatever, you know, because this, like you said, this ban is pretty ridiculous, if I'm, pretty, if I'm honest. You know, we we all live in foreign countries and, you know, we're, we're you know, we can all go to matches with women, w- with children, etc. And it, there's no problems, but there's that problem in Iran. And uh, hopefully it, it kind of it resolves. So, you know, we didn't really get your opinion Um uh, on the Khoda, um, sorry, Sarah uh, Khodayari situation, because obviously uh, you weren't on the podcast. Uh, I, I mean, I, as I was saying, I think, uh, I think, I think from your tweets as well. Um, you know, we're, we're speaking about how how somebody has to had to actually die in order for FIFA to even act upon it. Um, so, what I mean, what what's your reaction? You know. Yeah, I mean, firstly, everything that Mina said was so beautiful, and I agree with everything she said. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, a family, in a football obsessed family, and that included my mother as well. Uh, we grew up watching Esselon, uh and she was always watching every game with us. Um, so 
this kind of when we talk about women being allowed into stadiums yes it's a right but the popularity of football is also huge amongst women and and i think if the ticket sales were free and open as they should have been and as um the fa promised fifa it would be i don't have any doubts that at least 20 to 30,000 women would have been in the stadium watching that cambodia game uh, but again i mean i don't want to put the negatives too much as you said progress um, it's, it's, it's good to see them uh, getting that uh, right that they deserve but of course they deserve much more and, and it's, it's the I mean Mina said that fight has been going on for, for so long and, and she's absolutely right but I think this is the start of the journey I think now that uh, there's been an opportunity to, to have them into the stadiums and watching the games the real fight now is to kind of make that consistency and slowly grow it even further and further. And as you said, are you into the league games, which I don't think are going to happen, uh, definitely not this year, and I doubt it will happen in the um, in the next 18 to 24 months, but that's got to be the aim. That's got to be the goal. Um, and I know Mina is a huge Persepolis fan, uh, so I'm sure she would want to watch uh, some of the uh, league games as well as do all women across the country. Um, so again, that, that right to, to, to watch the games in leagues as well is, is huge and it, it, needs to, it needs to happen. In regards to Sahar, I mean, you said it's a tragedy. It, it's not really an opinion to give, it's a fact. And, and the fact that FIFA did wait for so long for them to act is embarrassing. It's actually shameful on their behalf. Um, they can't take the credit for this. Neither can the Iranian uh, sports ministry or the FA, which they have come out and they have actually said, well, we were going to let this happen. So it's not because of FIFA's pressure, which is absolutely nonsense as well. So um, they need to take more responsibility, FIFA does. They need to keep this pressure going and not wait for another tragedy to happen or wait for another incident to increase that pressure. This pressure needs to be consistent uh, uh, because otherwise uh, we will go back to how things were two or three years ago. Um, so again, great to see the fans in in, in Azadi Stadium for the Cambodia game. You could see how much the players really enjoyed it as well. Masu Chajai, as a captain, he's been so vocal about it, um, and I'm sure he was happy to see that um, some of the points that he's been raising over the years finally, you know, he's seen some results for them so again fingers crossed that uh, continues in the long term as well yeah you're right it was great to see the players celebrating um in that direction where the women were sitting in the stadium it was a really really good uh good uh, uh gesture um so yeah Bahrain uh we played Bahrain a few days ago um game ended 1-0 to Bahrain it was in it was away from home uh, not a great result at all. Uh, really bad performance as well. If you, if if I can say so myself, I think um, the lineup that we had out uh, was pretty much similar to the Cambodia game, bar a few changes. I think Majid Hosseini came in for Puali Ganji, and Omid Ibrahimi came in for Ahmad Nurullahi in the midfield. So not much of a different lineup. You know, same kind of players. Uh, it's quite obvious that he's playing a kind of a four-four-two formation. He's um, starting uh, Taremi and Mohebi as the wingers and then having Ansari Farad and, um, and Osman up front. Um, 
you know, the goal, the goal that that, that happened um, was obviously a, a foul from Majiroseni in the box, which ended up being a penalty, and then they scored it. So it wasn't as if they scored for open play, but we still defended pretty badly. Like, you know, it wasn't as if we defended good anyway. We could have conceded goals. We didn't really attack well any, either. We didn't really create chances. And even when we did create chances, we weren't taking chances. We weren't really taking them. Um, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm not really much of a critic of him, but Osmond's performance was, in my opinion, tough to watch. I think um, Mina, will, Mina will explain, but uh, the players looked very, very tired. They looked exhausted. Um, maybe it was, it was the heat, but the, the, the players were absolutely jaded in that game. And then... Um, you know, when, when players like Majid Hosseini, who's done so well this season for Shabzon Sport, make silly mistakes. Uh, but I think it, it makes silly mistakes. But you know, the whole team looked terrible. You know, in that in that in, in that phase of play where the literally the the, the striker comes past Ramin Rezaian, he goes past Kanani, he goes past Majid Hosseini, and then Majid Hosseini makes a late challenge and then he gets a penalty. You know, and it, it's pretty bad how he can go past three players and then get fouled in the box. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's just one of those things that we we, we switched off so many times in this game. S on high staff, he had a horrible game, um, and yeah, let's get some of your opinions on it. And, uh, Mina, I mean, what do you think of the sort of the level of performance from the, the national team captain who's had have got he's got so so called 110 caps, but he just didn't show any leadership, leadership qualities at all. Um, Osmond, etc. Yeah, so um, actually, I'm going to just say it. I don't think Haizafi should be captain anymore. And I'm not just saying it based on this game. He has shown that he's the first person on the pitch when something happens, that he jumps on the referee, he starts the fight. He's never the person who breaks out the fights on the pitch. He gets everybody so nervous and angry on the pitch. Uh, and I'm talking about the three last games that we actually, with Tim Melly, we have, like, the players got so angry that they actually gave away a penalty and we lost. Uh, and the three of them, Haitsefi was actually the captain on the pitch, was the game against Portugal, the game against Japan, and the game against Bahrain. And he's always the person that, that he did the fall, which is very, very obvious. I mean, he actually did two before, and he should have gotten a yellow card for it, actually. And maybe he should yeah, have gotten I, I even right. two yellow think, cards for it. Yeah. I think, I think in the Bahrain goal, I think just before the goal happened, he made exactly. a Exactly. He, he yeah. did that, and he, he should have gotten a yellow card, and he, he went to the referee and started the fight. And they started, and then Majid Hussaini gave away a penalty, which I think you're a bit too kind to him sometimes, Arya. Uh, I know you're very fond of him, but his his mistakes are not silly if they if it makes us actually not qualify for the World Cup. I can't even say that it's it makes me scared. But these are huge mistakes, and they they should not happen, especially in a game that we were quite bad and and we didn't have any good chances to score either. Uh, so actually, I'm I was. I was very, very angry at, at Hajsafi, uh, the most, I think. Uh, Mohebi performance for me in this game, 
I was like, okay, this kid is just from League One in Iran. He he was pressing very badly, uh, not not in a professional way. I mean, I I kind of was shocked actually to see how he's pressing when when the when the ball is uh, lost. And uh, then Sardar, um, I think what I saw from him, and uh, this is actually based on something that he said one time in, on Navat with Ferdosipur, that he said that he used to have breathing problem that would make him not get enough oxygen and he was getting uh, muscle spasms and he had problems. And then in this game, I think on minute 15 to 20 or something like that, I saw him actually bending over, holding his knees, like kind of like having a hard time breathing. He was also like the most wet. This also this new new brand of the clothing that Tim Mel uses is quite rubbish. Uh, it's completely wet in that humid weather, and just Sardar just looked like he's struggling for breathing in that kind of um, humidity, actually. But yeah, so I was very very unhappy with the game. I don't think I liked even one thing, like zero. Zero positive from me, actually. I think the only positive that we can take is the subs that happened. Um, I think. Oh, when, yeah, yeah. I, Ahmad Nurallah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think, I think only, when he came only, on. Oh, how could I forget captain of first place? Okay. <laughs> I think uh, when he came on, he did change the game. And obviously, I, I think that, um, without saying, I think for me, uh, Tottenham, he had a pretty good game. He, he, did, he did try. He did, he did create a chance. I think he did, you know, make some things happen. But I, I really didn't see much from from Ansari Far at all. You know, really, really pure game from him. Somebody, you know, he scored four goals against Cambodia, and he, he looked like he, he never scored a goal in his life. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he was horrible but to, to be, watch. To be honest, Arya, even if he did the poker in uh, against Cambodia uh, in the beginning of the game, he looked not great. Uh, yeah. He did not look like I was watching him and I was like, okay, Ansari Farid is not in a good form. And then he scored four, four goals and uh, that's very good. But but again, in this game, we saw him and he wasn't actually to the standard of a player who would start. Yeah, I think um, I think Sina will, will kind of uh, go up, go a little bit more because I know you've got a lot to say about this, Sina, but Sina... What what was what what actually went wrong? Do you know like what actually went wrong in this game? Look, I think first what you have to think about, and I don't know Aria if you're old enough to remember this. I think Mina definitely does. Is that the games against Bahrain are always important, always difficult, uh, and they should never be underestimated because there's a lot more than just the football. Now, I think there was an element of complacency not just before this game and after the Cambodia game, I think before the international break as a whole. I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think with the squad selection, I think uh, Wilmot and his coaching staff would have thought this is a straightforward six points from two games. Uh, We'll hardly hardly break a sweat, which obviously isn't the case um, now. Considering how the game went, I think a lot of the decisions they made... uh, should be questioned. Now, let's talk about the lineup. So, first of all, I completely disagree with playing 4-4-2 as a whole, uh, regardless of who the opposition is. Now, when you want to go and play against a team, and again, away from home, uh, against a team who will sit back and they will try to hit you on the counter, 
So you don't play with two strikers. You play with three midfielders because you want to control the game. So that extra man in midfield will help you, not just going forward, but on the counters as well. When you put too many players forward, they get lost. How are you going to get the ball to them? And I think he started with his plan B, which was incorrect. The subs he made, as you said, changed the game. Why? Because he brought in three midfielders. He brought in Nurullahi, which I like. I really like him as a, as a midfielder. I think he should feature more going forward as well. Uh, he brought on Bahid Amiri, a winger. Again, another winger in Mehdad Mohammadi as well. Now, mentality-wise, I'm not going to go into it. You've covered it. We all know it. They love to argue. There was a moment in the injury time. Uh, we had a free kick. The free kick went into the, to the Bahrain box. The ball is loose. It could be picked up by anyone. And all it takes is one deflection for the ball to go in. But where are our players? There's five of them arguing with the referee that the Bahraini player handballed it. Now, that says it all. In regards to the goal, as you said, Hoysafi made two mistakes. So the, his first mistake was the foul. Then he got yellow. And then once they put that ball in, if you go and watch the game, it's one of the worst touches I've ever seen from a Team Melli player. He touches, he tries to control the ball um, almost on the halfway line. The ball, I mean, his touch is so bad, the ball goes to the right and side of the Bahraini midfield and they cross the ball in. And then Hosseini gives that penalty with the clumsy challenge. Hoj Safi was yeah, terrible in that game. I, did, I never he saw was, that first that touch, actually. It was a good, a good show. He was terrible, um, as were the rest of the team. But now, there has been a lot of, a lot of criticism towards, uh, towards uh, Wilmot's. A lot of people coming out and saying, are we going to qualify for the World Cup? It's too early. Let's take a step back. We're not going to win every single qualification match. Now, of course, the, the loss isn't ideal. Um, the performance was definitely not great, but it's still early days. If we end up losing to Iraq in the next game, then yes, I would, I would actually be worried to say, are we going to qualify for the next round as easily as we think? But based on one loss, I wouldn't worry about it too much. As I said earlier as well, and again, I've been vocal about not being a fan of Bill Motts for as long as I can remember. But he's got the job, and I said it when he got the job as well, that if you want to judge him fairly, then you have to give him 12 to 18 months. And only once the next stage of the World Cup qualification starts, that's when we can see what he's made of. Not right now. With players like Mohebi coming in, you criticise Mortezal Mansouri, and I kind of agree with it. But again, he's trying to bring in new players. He's trying to um, see, you know, new formations, new tactics to see how things have worked. I don't like him as a manager. I don't agree with a lot of his ideas. As I said, I don't agree with the four-four-two thing that seems to be now consistent, judging by the last few games. But again. It's unfair to try and say, oh, we should definitely be worried now or let's sack him now. It's too early. Let's give it until next year. Again, if we lose against Iraq in November, I'd be worried. But let's go back to the early days of K-Rush as well. He ended up losing to Lebanon in the final round of qualification in a game that everyone thought, right, this is it now. We've never lost to Lebanon. We lost 1-0 and everyone thought, oh, we're not going to qualify for the 2014 World Cup. And he managed to pull us through it. We won against, I think, Qatar and then that massive, massive win over South Korea away from home. So it's not like we've not been in this situation before. Again, it's not ideal, 
but it's too early to press the uh, the press the panic button. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how things develop. I'm just going to throw out two um, two names because uh, I feel like these these players are are kind of players who've kind of maybe been a bit ne- neglected <laughs> in the system. I think they haven't really been considered. I think obviously it's quite understandable why, but I think I feel like they've been neglected for maybe yes they were injured, but I'm going to talk about. Horizade and Kovarizai, two guys who are playing in Belgium, and they actually have been playing. If you watch Charleroi play, they actually have been playing recently and they've been scoring goals and making assists. But I don't understand how you can not call... And I get what you're saying, Sina. Sina, you're saying, yeah, he's trying to you know, bring in new players, he's trying to get a system, but you need to... You have to call up your best players if they're available. I mean, you, you can't just call... Like, you know, Nuraf Khan, when you've got a player like, for example, Izatullahi, who at least is playing uh, to some, he's getting subbed in. You know, I don't get how you can just call Nuraf Khan. I just don't get it. For me, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, just, just for the record, I think even with the plays that he did have, he should have at least got a point from the game. Now, yeah, if I we're agree. talking, if we're talking that the issues are collectively, not individually, which I think is a collective issue there. I mean, we talked about the individual mistakes, but I think the collective idea is incorrect to begin with. Then even if you put the best players in there, they still wouldn't be able to perform. Is that I'm not sure if he would perform in a four-four-two because he doesn't really have the mobility to play in a two-man midfield. Ibrahim does. So does Hoxha. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I actually, I, I would, li- I would like to personally, I would like to see. Izatullah, he has as the base, the base player, the deepest midfielder, um, and then probably uh, Nur Afkan, um, you know, Nur Afkan, sorry, <laughs> Nur Allahi, um, as like kind of like a box to box player. I feel like in that position, I think he would do really, really well. I think he would be, I think he would do more than what Hay Safi and Ibrahimi have done. Um, I think he's more dynamic than them, and actually. It's one player that I think we need to get back as soon as possible if we can. You know, obviously suspended, but someone Godus needs to come back. Um, he he's a difference maker in my opinion. Um, I think you know Dejaga got injured uh, you know, just before the Cambodia game, but we need we really need to get a number ten, a playmaker, somebody who links the midfield to the attack. There was no link. You you were saying, Sina, like there was no. How are we going to get the ball to the strikers if we don't have a player who can like the play? We, we literally had Hai Safi and Ibrahimi playing in midfield with t- a striker on the left wing and a 20-year-old on the right wing. You know, we, had, we, had, we didn't have that kind of in-between player, in-between the lines, you know, and it doesn't help. You can't, you can't play a 4-4-2 when you've got players who are just, who aren't suited to that, to that kind of system. Um, so yeah, I don't see how that how that works. Um, other than that, Mina, have you got anything else to add in terms of what we what, where we go from here? Um, I mean, uh, Sina is absolutely right about this game being actually more than just a football game and being quite um, tough. And there is so much political pressure as well uh, due to what has happened in past in these kind of games. And uh, actually, when you look at the statistics from the game, they had exactly the same number of uh, shots um, uh, that we had. Actually, they had 
uh, three shots uh, like within the goal when we had the same, but they they got a penalty and they scored, and it was kind of a lucky win for Bahrain. Uh, I'm not actually sure that they were a better side than Iran was. Uh, they have quite a young squad, and uh, and of course the way that they are playing for uh, the team they are and their ranking is quite impressive. Uh, whereas our style of play and what we showed on the pitch, uh, being the number one in Asia, is not impressive at all. But at the end of the day, I did not think that they were the better team. I think they got a lucky win. And I'm also uh, agreeing with Sina that maybe we get all too pessimistic when we lose one game. We are like, okay, that's it. The World Cup's gone. It's going to be next to us in, in Qatar and we can never go to it. Uh, but at the same time, we also have Iraq, which is a which is a tough tough team to win, and it just made the pressure uh, on a game that is already hard more. So it's very unpleasant, actually. It's it's not a good uh, it's not a comfortable feeling for for us because the last two World Cups seemed like we just like open the door and there it was. We did not have this kind of stress at these early stages of qualification. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have uh, a, a, a new game coming up against Iraq on the 14th of November. Uh, that'll, be in, that'll be in Iraq, away from home. Hi, this is Kat and you're listening to Golbezan and I hope you continue listening to their amazing podcast. Thank you all for the support. Love you, Golbezan. Uh, so, uh, what do you guys think about the system that Wilmot is playing and uh, how he wants to um, kind of uh, hold up to his comments in media about attacking football? Do you think there is any relation between this? And is there something that he wants to prove? I think, I think certainly there's the pressure from the supporters um, that some maybe uneducated supporters previously who were speaking about Kairosh being a very defensive coach and you know rigid tactics and not you know we aren't we aren't very you're not scoring a lot of goals etc. But if you if you if you look back at the way Kairosh looked at a team, he looked he looked at what our strengths are. What is the strengths of this team, and how do we play towards those strengths, and how do we make those strengths? Um, work against the opponent that we're facing. So, in the World Cup, for example, yeah, against against Spain, we're going to play defensively. That, that's the way it is. And Kairos didn't care. He did not care what anyone said. And that is why I think the educated supporters were, were more respectful of him. The ones who weren't as educated, maybe from that footballing standpoint, again, I think it kind of they struggled to understand that. And when what Wilmots is doing, he's trying to use a bit of psychology, and you know, maybe not, but I think it is what's happening, and I think that he wants to sort of show that Iran does have that attacking uh, intent to score goals, but uh, it doesn't work. You have to, you have to understand what the players need and what kind of players you have at your disposal, and what kind of system works for them. You can't just say I want to play attacking football. You know, I mean, it doesn't work. You have to actually have a, a way of playing that works for those players so uh, we'll see what happens in the future but I, I, I think he has to go back in the, in the, in the drawing board and, and really look at a system but and, and fix fix what he's, what he's got he's got good players 
but his system's not going to work against bigger teams. Um, I'll go back to Mina in one of the points she made earlier about Mohib being the way he was pressing, which she said it was it, it wasn't in the right way, if I remember correctly, Mina. He said he was just pressing. Yeah, know, like I said he presses like he's yeah from like that he plays in League One and not the not the exactly. Persian golf league. Exactly. Yeah. Now let's hold that thought for a second. So in terms of what Wilmot has said, he's always said I'm an attacking coach, and he is. Okay, but there's a difference between saying I'm an attacking coach and your team actually playing like he's the attacking. Now, you you can't say you you can't be an attacking team without thinking of the defensive side. Now, going back to the pressing point, this team does not press like they should, and it goes back to Wilmot. So it's it's all good and well saying I want to play attacking, I want to score, but it goes back to how are you going to do it? In football, the main questions are, it's not about, do you want to defend or do you want to attack? It's about, how are you going to do it? What system? What formation? How are you going to press? How are you going to sit? When are you going to press? What areas of the pitch are you going to protect? Now, with the way that we press, at the moment, it is like headless chicken. Because pressing isn't just about, for example, Osmond pressing the defender who's got the ball. That's part of it. But in order for that pressing to be successful, Ansari Fad, Mohibbi, Taremi will have to press at the same time to the players who that defender could pass to. The whole idea of pressing is to limit the options for the team on the ball so that you could win the ball early. Now, we don't do that at the moment, and it doesn't seem like it's going to change. So the whole pressing idea isn't going to work. And secondly, a lot of people might disagree, but the fact is, Iranian players tactically aren't great. Because of the upbringing they have in Iran, the tactical side of it isn't so good. Again, Mina watches the league, you watch the league audio. How many teams do you actually see that press on a game-to-game basis? Almost next to none. So you can't suddenly pick these players out, bring them in, and then suddenly turn around and say, go and press. No. The players will have to make decisions on the pitch. And if they don't understand the concept of what, what you're trying to do, they wouldn't be able to make the right decisions. So it's all good and well saying to the player, go and press. Fair enough, he gets it. But when it comes to the actual game and when he's in certain situations where he has to make individual decisions, if he doesn't understand what you need from him, he wouldn't be able to make the correct decisions. And that's the problem with Ritmos at the moment. He's not getting across to the team what he wants. I don't think he's 100% sure what he wants from the team. And again, you can see on the pitch, there's a lot of chaos. Um, Again, going back to the way we attack, we've got two strikers up front. How are you going to get the ball to them? Audio, you mentioned earlier, and I agree. When you're playing against a really defensive team, it's all about making the ball do the work. Move the ball around, you create gaps, and then suddenly you can you can exploit this space that's been created. We're not doing that at the moment. In that game, all we did was let's get the ball out to Rezoyan and Mohammadi and let's cross the ball in. You, you might have got a lucky deflection and scored the goal, but again, it's not coming from a real idea that we this is how we're going to score games, uh, score goals. This is how we're going to create chances. It was more or less. I can't remember who said it on Twitter. Someone said, um, we're going back to the 2010 days where all we're doing is lump long balls over and hope for an individual mistake before we can score a goal. And it does feel like it. Now, 
again, going back to that, to, to what I said earlier, that things could change between now and next year, but things could also get worse. So at the moment, all we can do is wait and hope that things can only get better from here performance-wise. And of course, when you perform better, then results will slowly come in as well. Uh, but Sina, do you agree? Do you agree with Arya saying that uh, only the uneducated fans um, they are uh, in favor of, uh, like Wilmot saying that I want to play attacking football because I had uh, a very, uh, very real team Melly fans saying actually on Twitter that uh, if we were playing with Kairos, we would never score 14 goals against. Um, Cambodia, but we also probably yeah. wouldn't lose to Bahrain either. So there are a lot of people that are actually point a fan being. of. Uh... But, but I think point, it's, it's, point it's... being, though, sorry, you know, point being is, Kairosh, he played to the strengths of the, of the players. Like I mean, yes, you, you might be right. He might not have scored 14 goals against Cambodia, but does he want to score 14 goals against Cambodia? Probably not. Yeah, people would love that. People would yeah. live for these uh, iconic iconic games Probably. that they said, oh, you remember in Azadi we scored 14 yeah. against Cambodia. You know, people like Maldives because we scored <laughs> these many <laughs> they, goals to them. And you know? They do, absolutely. Yeah, but, I but know then, nothing but about then, Guam rather than we scored 19 goals against yeah. them. Nothing else about Guam. But but like I say, point being is, is Kairos didn't care about that. That's the thing. He, he, he didn't play to the fans taste if he didn't care about that that's that's I think that's what um, a coach should not be pressured into playing the way we want to see the team play because it's not it's not going to work it's just not going to happen so this is actually so this is actually my point uh, which I think Wilmutz does play on these aspects of uh, getting into this media game because he has been saying, I think he has had like a four interviews and in every single one of them, he talked about attacking football, that uh, I like to play attacking football, attacking football, attacking football. And then we go to Bahrain and uh, we have three good shots and none of them goes in. Um, and then, of course, he's going to receive a lot of criticism from the media uh, that why you said that. And it's going to start this whole fiasco again. And this actually makes me worried. I think Go on, Sina, you're you, you are right. So the thing with K-Rush was, again, I disagree with you, Ari, in what you said about being uneducated. I think that, I mean, we all have preferences in how we want our teams to play, whether it's the club that we support or the national team. Now, if you want your national team to be attacking, I I get that. I think I, I understand their point of view. I think when you go up against teams like, um, for example, in the Asian Cup, 2015 Asian Cup, we played. We actually did play against Bahrain, UAE, and Qatar, who were three games that we were expected to win, but we didn't play attacking. And I think the the general, um, you know, expectancy of of the fans is that when we go up against these teams. We need to be the superior team. And again, I, 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 I get that ideology. They're not necessarily saying we need to go and play attacking football against Argentina and Spain. Some might even do, but that wouldn't make sense. But I think against Asian teams, it does. And I've always kind of, I, I, I get the idea that we need to be superior. Kairos' idea of superiority was to 
we're going to control the game, but without having the ball. We're going to control what you do with the ball, which is nothing. And then we're going to capitalize on the limited chances that we get. It's again, it, you're right. Each coach has his own ideology and how they want to play. But at the same time, when you're the manager of a national team, you also have to be a bit of a diplomat. Now, at the moment, there is um, a lot of polarization going on in the, in, in the Iranian media that you're either for Kairosh, against Kairosh, or for Wilmos or against him, etc. No, you can criticise both equally because it's all about getting the right balance. Yes, you want to score 14 goals against Cambodia. You do. Who, who wouldn't want their team to score 10-plus goals? We all do. But at the same time, you want to go against these teams in tough places and get results. So it's, there's got to be a balance between the two. You've got to create a team where they can go to tough places like Bahrain and keep a clean sheet and end up winning the game. And then when you play at home against teams like Cambodia, you can go out and you can express yourself. You can score as many goals as you want. So it's all about getting the right balance, as it is in everything, everything else in life. You've, you, it can't be one extreme or the other. Being too defensive isn't too great in, in games that we shouldn't be. And also being too offensive and too attacking in games that is almost naive to go into these games. And I think that's the right word to use against Bahrain. I think we were naive and they were smart. They were smarter than us. Mina said they didn't deserve to win the game or they weren't better than us. And I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. But I think they won the game because they were smarter. They were a lot wiser. They were set up better than we were. Doesn't necessarily mean they played a better game. But they kind of, they, they made sure they took advantage of our weaknesses. So in terms of Wilmots's and, and against, and again, with the defensive and attacking football, I think it's all about getting the right balance. I'm not sure we will get the balance with, with Wilmots, uh, but I think that's the kind of the target that we should be aiming for. Yeah. But uh, uh, just, to, just to ask another question, sorry. I'm like very interested to know your views on this one. Um, do you think with the character we've seen from Wilmot, do you think that he would for sure stay in Iran and continues this campaign until we either make it to the World Cup or not? Or do you think he might actually get out of this early? I think, I think that he wouldn't leave unless he's forced to leave. Uh, and I think, I, I, I'm, I think we will qualify for the World Cup. It wouldn't be as easy as it was in 2018. I mean, 2014 wasn't so easy either. 2018 was really easy. And this one wouldn't be as easy as that. I think there will be a lot of um, nerve-wracking moments, nerve-wracking games, a lot of results that, may, that will make us, or a lot of performances that will make us think, are we actually going to go there? Are we actually going to qualify for Qatar? And I think we will. But uh, I think the main decision in regards to Wilmots will have to be made after the World Cup. Um I mean, if he doesn't qualify, it's an absolute disaster. And I hope he never gets an international job anywhere else again. Uh, but I think we will still qualify. And I think the main decision in regards to what you're asking in terms of whether he is going to be here for the long term or not will have to be made after the World Cup. And also, uh, Mina, remember, he's getting good money for the job he does. He's getting really good money. Uh, so even when you think of the financial incentives, there's no reason for him to leave. Because he will not get another job with a team as good as this in a confederation as, I wouldn't say easy, but as comfort, comfortable as this with the money that he's getting paid. And that was the situation with Kairos slightly as well. I think, I think for, from money-wise, also contract-wise, I think he has a pretty easy contract. He's 
not in Iran most of the times. So he m- misses FIFA days and he doesn't care that much about them either. So I think he's having a pretty comfortable life as well. The only thing, the only reason that I can think of that he might want to leave is that he knows at some point that we're not going to make it and he doesn't want to be in some kind of ditch. No, I, I, again, I think if he does think we still we wouldn't qualify, there's no think think of the businessman in you. Why would you leave a job when you know you're gonna? If you get sacked, you'll have a big fat check. If we don't qualify, he will get sacked. So why yeah, why wouldn't you just wait until he gets sacked and get that? I think I don't know because of his because then he cannot go somewhere else and say I am the master of that type of football. Well, I mean, he, even if he leaves before we, we, uh, we, it kind of gets confirmed that we don't qualify, it would still be on his head that we didn't. Fair enough. It's the same thing with Qutbi, for example. If you think about it, who didn't qualify for the World Cup in 2010? Everyone would remember that it was Qutbi, but it wasn't Qutbi. Well, Qutbi was only in charge for the last two games. It was, yeah. it was Ali Doi. So he's always, you know, I think he will always hang on his head that he wasn't the man that didn't go, that was qualified. I personally think that um, I think Will Motts will actually end up leaving before before the, the World Cup. Um, I think he'll get sacked before it. I don't see him staying. Sacked, uh, again, sacked is different. I, I, I wouldn't no, say no, no to that, but I don't no, think he'll I don't think he'll leave. Away. I think he'll get sacked. I think he'll get sacked before it. Um, because I don't, I don't feel like um, I don't feel like the results will be up to par. Uh, and if they are, if they are, yes, I think he'll. Be, I think he will be sacked after the World Cup, hundred percent. I think he'll get sacked within within the next three years at least. I don't think he'll he'll stay. Um, so yeah, that's my opinion. Uh, anyway, we want to hear your guys' thoughts uh, in, on Twitter and, and, so, and social media and Instagram. Uh, we have started uploading our podcasts on Spotify. You can find us on, on Spotify, on iTunes, and on SoundCloud. So you've got a lot of platform to listen to. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, um, and stay tuned. We're gonna, we're gonna, me and Pasha and a few others have kind of been t- um, thinking about starting a new, a, a new uh, platform that we'll, 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 we'll speak about and we'll, sh- we'll show you later on uh, in the months coming up but for now we're going to wrap it up thank you guys for coming on thank you, thanks for Mina coming on for her first time um, and I hope you guys listen, enjoy listening to this new podcast thank you very much <laughs>